Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is your number one source for all your betting needs get the latest odds lines and matchup reports for baseball boxing golf and more bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action remember to use promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 cent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us and uh, making us the number one sports law podcast in the world for three years running. So, we had an interesting episode. This is episode uh, 26 of season five. Can't believe that we're uh, we're over 200 episodes now. Um, a few few episodes over 200 uh, now uh, in in the sort of history of the podcast. So thank you again for listening in, and uh, glad to um, to still be able to be with you and be able to uh, to do this podcast uh, for for each of you. So um, you know that's why I do it. Create the content. Uh, just look at it as a, a place of doing something that I'm passionate about. Uh, but hopefully pass along some information and some ideas and some knowledge along the way. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to continue to do that. But again, thanks for listening. Today we're going to be talking about uh, whether ChatGPT is the newer version of Google Search. Now, in that title, you may be questioning, well, you know, what does that mean? You know, Google Search is a different thing than ChatGPT. Chat Chat GPT is you know, an artificial intelligence platform that collects information and creates new things. Um, you know, but in many ways, isn't Google search the same thing, but just an earlier version of it? So instead of an artificial intelligence creating the new thing um, or a human creating the new thing, it's artificial intelligence creating the new thing. Because Google search in many ways just serves as an online database to look up and find information and to get ideas and to be inspired and that sort of thing. Obviously, technology can be used for bad things as well, uh, but that, I think, was the purpose of Google, was to create a place to collect information. Now, of course, the other side of this is the privacy issues and concerns, uh, the fact that Google and a lot of the social media platforms are really advertising platforms or places to um, to sell information and sell uh, products and services. And of course, again, the privacy concerns, you know, so there, you know, clearly are some issues with any technology. But I think in looking at this, and, and what brings us about is that there was a case that was uh, filed recently. This is according to the Hollywood Reporter, a case that was filed by some book authors against OpenAI, uh, which is one of the owners, if not the main owner, of. Um, chat GPT. There's also Microsoft also owns a piece of um, of chat GPT. 
And this idea of chat GPT, if you haven't heard of it, is that you go online, it's free to use, and you essentially can input something like, paint me a picture of, um, now, I don't know if open a, or, um, chat GPT can take it to this function, but there is other platforms out that that sort of do this right where you say hey paint me a picture of um you know um the following athletes you know at the dinner table and then you might say you know give me babe ruth michael jordan wayne gretzky um satchel page and you know name somebody else and uh and the the ai platform would create that or more commonly you might say something like um, input something that says, uh, draft me, um, you know, a poem or an essay on the following people with the following context and this sort of thing. And actually my, my, one of my brothers played a joke on me one time and, um, had input my name into chat GPT and said, write an essay or write a biography about, um, you know, my brother, Jeremy. And this was my brother doing this uh, to me and sort of it, it pulled out some funny information uh, in the sense that it told the bio for the most part, it was true, but then there were some things that clearly were not true. <laughs> um, and so in many ways, I guess chat GPT was embellishing um, or, or just didn't have the right inputs. Right. But that's one of the flaws I think of the platform, which a lot of people complain about is that it, it, if you know it doesn't always have all the information uh, or it'll just make up information if it doesn't have it right but uh again back to the google comparison and i'm not saying this is right you know i still in my mind have you know questions about you know chat gpt and artificial intelligence in general and they're both business and moral questions right and i think a lot of folks are having the same concerns and uh, as you know, or may not know, recently a lot of the CEOs of major companies and the folks who are involved with AI, you know, issued a letter, you know, addressing and talking about some of these concerns and what AI could potentially become. You know, and, and on one hand, on the moral side of it, it's is AI a good thing in the sense, yes, that okay, maybe it helps the human condition uh, and helps humans to develop, but then on the other side, does it make us more reliable on something? Uh, that maybe we shouldn't be reliable on, right? I mean, uh, think about if, for example, Google quit working, you know, how would you go back to looking at information? Would you go back to the library? Would you ask a friend? Would you already have the knowledge in your mind? Um, you know, if, for example, if social media stopped to existing and artificial intelligence and al algorithms and everything else weren't used on there, you know, what would people do to communicate? Would they go back to phone calls? You know, go back to writing letters? You know, so again, uh, text message, whatever it might be. Uh, so it's just something to think about in that context. And then, of course, there's this copyright issue, uh, which is what the case is about with regard to these book authors filing a suit against ChatGPT or more specifically OpenAI and Microsoft, uh, who are the two major owners with OpenAI obviously being the majority owner. So I want to go back a little bit and compare some previous cases and, and why this sort of idea uh, came to mind. Because as I was thinking about, you know, uh, the podcast for this week, I went back and thought, you know, what would be a good topic? And and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, there is this litigation going on with regard to, you know, chat GPT. And immediately it sort of 
harken back to law school and even during my uh, LLM days at Pepperdine. And I'm thinking, okay, what were some of the cases we went over in you know the IP classes, intellectual property classes? And one of the big ones was Authors Guild versus Google. It's a 2015 um, Court of Appeals case out of the Second Circuit. And again, I'm not a litigator, but uh, I think sometimes it's it's good to reflect on uh, court cases. Obviously, give us a case law, and they give us um, you know something to to compare, to either distinguish or um, make an analogy towards, right? And in this case, Authors Guild versus Google, uh, you know, Google basically was held not liable um, for copyright infringement under a fair use doctrine. Uh, for its Google Books project. And what Google was doing was it was taking basically all of the books in existence, essentially, or what it could get its you know, digital hands on, and, um, and putting that into a, into a uh, platform by which somebody could search. So for example, if you went into Google search, you could Google a book's name and it, and it would pop up. Say you can buy it here on this website. It's essentially a host it's a you know it's an intermediary right it's a platform to launch to another website or to do another thing uh, but then it would also take uh, excerpts from that book to give you an idea of what it is or what it was about uh, you might even do this on Amazon right when you buy a book on Amazon it might give you a little description but authors felt that it gave away too much information and they also didn't like the fact that Google was doing it anyway without a license they weren't going to Google for example and saying hey post our stuff now, the irony in a lot of this is the fact that Google does help sell more things that you want to sell. So, for example, it's, you know, people talk about being number one on Google and having, a you know, an internet presence. Well, Google helps with that, right? And it's in exchange for something. You have to give up something. You have to give up the information. You have to display it. Um, you know, there's privacy concerns. Or there's obviously they're selling advertising. There's all these things going on. Um, but that being said... Um, you know, there, uh, you do have a trade-off there, but people are benefiting from it. And, and I think in some sense, uh, authors would benefit from Google having their book displayed, but of course there's, again, there's a copyright issue, you know, co folks who, you know, who, um, create things, you know, uh, writing or an art, you know, piece of art or a poem or what have you, you know, they have exclusive rights, right? And this is all under the United States code and, established by copyright you know law and established by uh, case law and uh, so in this case they said hey well, you know you can't take our books and put them online well the court felt differently and ultimately Supreme Court denied a uh, petition to hear the case which essentially says that the court either agreed with it or didn't want to deal with the issue at the time um, more likely that it, it it agreed with the decision and it didn't conflict with anything another with another circuit court or anything like that. And so, so again, the, the function of Google Books was was and still is to essentially copy full text copyrighted books to create uh, digitally consumable smaller versions of the works uh, that it would appear in some um, um, Google search, if you will, or internet search. And um, now, of course, uh, Google Search has the same function as Google Books, except that it's it's every available piece of information or input, if you will, uh, throughout the world and really in many ways throughout history to whatever's available. You know, you can type in, you know, really much of anything into Google and, and you can get some information on it. And it's in many ways, researchers kind of start from there 
uh, these days. Even in law school, I remember hearing that, that, you know, start with Google and then, you know, work down the list in the sense that start looking at, okay, well, what book does it refer me to? What, you know, film does it refer me to? What, you know, text does it refer me to? And then you kind of work through there and refine your resources. Well, ChatGPT in many ways has the same function, right? The idea that it collects information. The difference with ChatGPT is that it's not displaying that information, but it's using that information in sort of this like digital brain or artificial intelligence uh, to create something new. So instead of where Google hosts the information, you can search it and then you can create something or learn something from it. Uh, ChatGPT collects the information. It's not displayed. It's almost used as code on the back end. And then when you tell it to do something, it creates something from the information that's been input into it. So that's sort of uh, the juxtaposition of it. But the court felt that uh, Google would not be liable for that and felt that um, uh, this was okay. And in its holding, and the authors, this again, this is the Authors Guild versus Google, it said that um, copyrighted works could be used for non-infringing ways under fair use if the work was transformative, uh, limited to a specific purpose, did not provide for significant market uh, substitute, uh, meaning that people would no longer buy books, um, and where the commercial nature and profit motivation was justified. So the court felt that all of those things were met. And it's not a an and situation. I mean, that was not an, all the elements didn't have to be meet to find fair use. But generally, the idea is, is that court will weigh those factors plus other factors and then determine whether something is fair use or not. So again, this is kind of why fair use is a tough doctrine because you don't really know where it's going to end up. Um, you know, courts have kind of been all over the place with this, so you, it's it would be tough to rely on fair use. Um, and, and so essentially the court said, hey, look, um, Google is taking something. It is transformative because it's, it's allowing people more access to books. It's allowing more access to information. It's improving the human condition. Uh, it's enlightening people. It's, you know, providing for something. It'd be like the, you know, Google was the next version of the printing press, you know, in some ways, right? Providing information might be a bad example, but the idea is that more information is being disseminated. People are learning from this, right? Be like when uh, the Bible was uh, translated um, from Latin to other languages. You know, people could read now, where it used to be just for, um, you know, priests and in, in, in churches, right? So, again, the court sort of felt that you know, this, um, and, and of course, the fact that Google wasn't charging for this, they were making money off of it from advertising because it was driving people to their to their website. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the court found that um, Google could um, could do this. And, you know, when you think about it now, I mean, often people have casual conversations. You know, if we were to be together and we would say, we were talking about some topic, you know, you might, somebody might say, I even might say it, Google it, right? And I think in more of a joking sense, sometimes I come across people will say, uh, say, Google me, you know, like when you, when you ask somebody a question about something and about them or what they've been up to, they'll say, oh, haven't you Googled me? It's kind of a ridiculous thing. It's something I would never say, but it's, um, uh, it's, it, it's sort of, uh, one of these things that's become part of the culture, part of, uh, nomenclature, if you will. And again, the question going forward is going to be whether chat GPT and artificial intelligence will be treated the same as Google on this idea of 
you know, is what chat GPT doing transformative? Uh, what is the commercial nature and profit motivation of it? Um, is it limited to a specific purpose? Uh, is there a market? Does it create a market substitute, right? There's all things the court's going to be thinking about in these cases. And of course, this is not just limited to book authors. This is, this is for any copyrighted bull information or copyrighted information. So think about, you know, for example, um, writers in Hollywood, right. That are upset with chat GPT, anything that could be driven from this or even films and pieces of art because it's taking from everything, right. In many ways, chat GPT is like basically take all of the human brains that have either ever, ever existed or will exist or when I say will exist or ever existed or exist now, all the information it can collect and it's inputted, it takes that and then creates something from that. So something potentially a human could never do in that context. Now, of course, human brain is, is a beautiful thing and, um, and, and clearly has um, in some sense unlimited abilities. But I think what ChatGPT does is it says, let's make it easier. Now, again, whether that's right or wrong and Again, it's a business and a moral question. And in, in this sense, it's a copyright question. So um, obviously, sort of digging down a little bit deeper, uh, you know, ChatGPT, uh, this this case now against them is, again, another collection of authors, similar to the authors uh, Guild versus um, uh, Google case back in 2015. So here we are in 2023. And um, we have authors, again, filing suit uh, against OpenAI and Microsoft. And the allegation is that um, it's unauthorized collection of information or books across the web um, are used to train its artificial intelligence chatbot um, to essentially create new works based on copyrighted material. Now, in the past, um, you know, Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court has held that um, in one sense, Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act uh, which I encourage you to check out, allows that platforms that collect and display information cannot be held liable for user activity. There's a few exceptions to that, but generally cannot be held liable. And the courts have been pretty clear, particularly this U.S. Supreme Court has made this clear, which would apply to internet search engines like Google and social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and everywhere else, right? So essentially what they're saying is fair use protection extends to those platforms and they can't be held liable because you can imagine in the opposite, this would be bad in the sense that they would have to cater to certain information. They would have to monitor and check it. It's a free speech issue, right? Now in Europe, this is a little bit different. They've actually made these platforms liable. Uh, there's actually a big issue in Canada going on right now with regard to this, uh, with regard to Twitter. And now Europe is, is uh, the EU is looking at trying to regulate Twitter and saying that you have to insert some sort of, um, you know, uh, curtail to free speech. Of course, it's a big issue in America. And as long as, you know, First Amendment in play, it's unlikely that's ever going to be possible in the United States. Uh, and frankly, I think um, folks around the world could learn something a little bit uh, from America's experience and really world, world history when it comes to censoring speech. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, I think we need to stay away from uh, a lot of that. I think free speech is a good thing. But so you've had this case, um, you know, cases in the past where the court has looked at this and they said, okay, well, Google's not liable as a platform. Um, 
And of course, this also applied in another case uh, before the U.S. Supreme Court with regard to Oracle, and they sued Google. And Oracle sued over uh, its operating system code that was used in Android phones. But again, in that case, Google uh, Google was found to be not liable for copyright infringement. And this is a quote from Justice Breyer, who made and wrote the um, majority opinion of the court. I think it was a six-two decision. One of the one of the uh, justices may have uh, recused themselves. Uh, but quote a lock limiting the future of creativity of new programs. Oracle alone would hold the key. End quote. So what Justice Breyer is saying is he's like, hey, look. Um, we can't have Oracle own all of this uh, code. They can own it in the sense that they own the copyright, but we have to allow fair use in this sense because we want people to be creative. We want them to be um, encouraged and to invent and to create. And if they held back the code, there wouldn't be a possibility for that. Now, funny enough, ChatGPT, the owner has made it available. So all the code is available. People can copy it. It's out there. People can use it. There's no charge for this. So if the court were to use similar logic and say, well, you know, OpenAI uh, created ChatGPT and it's this newer version or updated version of Google or Google Search or Google Books, uh, essentially that the analysis would go something like this. Again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but potential for argument. ChatGPT is taking information to create something new drive creativity and ingenuity and it's and it's um storing it but not displaying it so that's the key difference maybe that argument's a stretch um but google also uses artificial intelligence and computer programming to collect organize summarize and host information in a limited capacity to aid the search function right and to aid its advertising and everything else but still that's it does increase business I think anybody can argue that against the fact that Google has made business easier and better in the sense that people can find you. Well, maybe better people could make the argument that, well, you know, maybe it's too easy to find people or maybe it's, um, or businesses, or maybe it's, uh, you know, it doesn't display always the best information or correct information, but it is there as a tool, right? Now, of course, here's the difference, and this is a big one and an important one is that ChatGPT is using all of the same information, if not more copyrighted information, and all readily available information as inputs to train an artificial intelligence computer that can be used by a user to create new works. But again, it doesn't display the original works in any manner. That's used as a code on the back end. And that may be a big you know, issue with the court, right? Is that it's creating something from existing copyrighted works. Now look, on the one hand, um, ChatGPT is unlikely to be seen or treated as a platform like Google or Facebook because um, it's not a platform in that sense. Um, it's not displaying information. It literally just collects existing information in order to create new information and things. However, the problem is, is ChatGPT, like Google, and this is a strict liability offense, uh, there's no excuse to it unless it's fair use or unless it's a parody or other or that's it's newsworthy or what have you right and among some other exceptions but those are the main big ones is chat gpt is collecting copyrighted information without a license that's the bottom line so how does it how does chat gpt get out of that problem well chat gpt is also doing really what most humans do on a daily basis 
which is to say that a human, we are a sum of all of our experiences and inputs and information, right? We, what we write about, what we talk about, we're, we're recollecting what has happened to us. But, and then, so of course, when a human creates, they do so from their brain recollecting on talents and skills, experiences, inputs, education, and memory, which may also come from copyrighted sources. I mean, obviously one of the things in the music business is, oh, I was enlightened by, or I was this or that. And of course people get sued over that too. And there's some, some major issues going on with that, whether you sample music or what have you. Different here is ChatGPT is sampling everything, uh, but it's not displaying it. It's using it to create something new. So is that transformative? We'll see what the court says. Um, but again, big difference here is ChatGPT is utilizing artificial intelligence like a brain uh, of really all humans that have existed before and exist now and will continue to collect more information without memory loss, without, you know, assuming the computer works well, right? Everything is working well and going, going forward as the program would want it to, or as the owners would want it to. Um, its purpose would be to assist you know, humans and developing ideas, works, and things, right? Of course, there's a lot of, um, you know, I think issues within that in the sense that it's the correct information, you know, is chat GPT too powerful? Does it make us too reliable on something? Um, that sort of thing, right? So, you know, kind of looking towards the close of this podcast, I'm thinking about, and you should be thinking about, you know, will the U.S. Supreme Court see chat GPT as analogous to Google? Um, namely that a halt or any regulation or cancellation of chat GPT might diminish versus improve the human condition and ingenuity uh, or potentially deprive innovation if they do, you know, um, halt it or regulate it. Um, you know, is chat GPT and artificial intelligence something completely different that is open Pandora's proverbial box in both a good or bad way? Like I think it's undeniable that ChatGPT's new works are transformative because I think it creates an entirely new work. Um, now, could you drill that down and say, well, this entire section was taken from some book? Or I think it's probably a case by case basis. Um, but that being said, there's issues with it. There was recently this case where um, an attorney got in trouble because they took they used ChatGPT to write a memo. Of course, uh, you know, I, and I've heard of other people even in the court system using chat GPT to help write briefs. So it's, you know, again, um, potential is there. Um, you know, I think the idea is there, but I think the effects of it are important. I think the management of it is important. I mean, it was a month or so ago, we were talking about the importance of managing artificial intelligence, right? Uh, making it work for us. Uh, and at the, at the end of the day, humans being the utmost, um, uh, powerful, the utmost in terms of value, right? That um, a computer program should never be more valuable than a human. Right? And I think sort of people have talked about, you know, a, an artificial intelligence or human bill of rights where it's like, you know, chat GBT or any AI would serve humans, not the other way around, right? People think, oh, this is sci-fi and this is Skynet and Terminator and all this, right? But I think at the end of the day, these are important questions to think about because chat GPT is that powerful. And AI is that powerful, uh, even to the point where, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have major CEOs issuing, you know, a letter talking about, 
you know, the challenges of, of AI and some of the things we need to be worried about, right? And we may have created something that we can't turn back on, you know, because people have become so reliable on it. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's very interesting. There was a great movie, I'm trying to recall the name of it, with Bradley Cooper, and he sort of takes this pill, and the pill helps him to, you know, essentially, um, you know, think beyond his capability and start to connect his brain more, and it changes his nerves and changes his neurons and how his brain thinks, and eventually he he weans off the drug, and then it essentially changes his you know um, his sort of human brain. And he ends up keeping a lot of the knowledge that he that he sort of had learned and turned him into this great business person, right? And in many ways, ChatGPT has the potential for that, but it also has potential for a lot of other things that may not be so great. So we'll sort of see, and I think this court case could be pretty seminal when it comes to determining sort of uh, ChatGPT and artificial intelligence future. And you know, especially in this copyright sense, is you know is what Chat ChatGPT doing in collecting information without a license, is that copyright infringement or is it fair use or something else? So, you know, and again, point being uh, that we made earlier, the company's founder, OpenAI and ChatGPT, uh, has made this free to everybody. And currently it's an open benefit to all. There's no subscription fee yet. Um, you know, just like there's no subscription fee yet for social media or for Google, but we'll see. You know, again, there's this question of, uh, public forum. There's this question of um, all these different issues that come up when you're talking about the power of AI and social media and sharing information, all these things that I think are going to be quintessential questions to answer and to look at in determining the future of artificial intelligence. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. Um, you know, and I think some questions to think about, you know, is ChatGPT again, the newer version of Google? Or is ChatGPT the beginnings of Skynet from Terminator? Or is it something in between? You know, we'll see. Uh, but I think, again, the questions for consideration are both economic and moral uh, and are in the hands of the court, you know, inventors, investors, you know, people and businesses. So we'll sort of see uh, how this how this moves forward. But thanks again for listening in. Uh, I'm Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. This week we talked about chat gpt and comparing it to google search and some other platforms and court cases normally we don't dive too deep into the court cases on this podcast but in this context it was uh, important to look at uh, past cases for the specific issue since the underlying issue was a current lawsuit by book authors against um against chat gpt and, and open ai but uh, thanks again for listening in making us number one sports law podcast in the world and uh, this episode has been brought to you by bet online we'll be back with you next week. Look forward to being with you uh, very soon. Thank you so much.